Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 55, Hurricane. That's the last of it. Coming through. Thanks. Thanks a million. I don't want to hang you up anymore. I just didn't know how I was going to do it alone. It's hideous, isn't it? (laughs) I know it's silly, but I'd just die if anything happened to it. It's... All I got left for my dad. Then you sure don't want to leave it behind for a hurricane. Hurricane? (laughs) Oh, boy. When did you know you'd love me? First time I saw you. I am glad. Because I love you, too. It's uh, August 17th, 1969, and you're in... Jackson's Point, Mississippi. Okay. Your name is... Archie Nikkei's, your deputy sheriff. And according to Ziggy, there's a 96.2% uh, chance that you're here to save a nurse named Sissy Davis from getting killed by Camille. Who's, who's Camille? No, no, who is the what? Camille is a hurricane. Archie, I know, I know, I said I was going, but, well... It's just seeing you again made me think. I mean, what I want to say is, maybe you and I could go to dinner some night, you know? Oh, Lisa, I I don't know. Um... You're right. You're right. I'm sorry, you know, about things. I keep wondering, what if... What if... We'd stay together. What if I'd never met Sissy? But I did. I got a funny feeling about this. Oh, Diggy. Give me some information here. Archie used to take me fishing all the time. How about you? Uh, No, uh, we haven't gotten around to that yet. You know. Everything was fine until you came along. Until you stole Archie. Lisa, I didn't steal Archie. He he made up his own mind. No, he didn't. Oh, I don't like the looks of this. Sissy, you better get out of here. Get out of here. Get out. Get out. 
You gotta hurry! Lisa's back at Annabelle's, and she's got a knife! What? Down! She's going after Sissy! clever way to start this, so... Just a bunch of wind noises, <laughs> and we go, ah, as if we just blew in. Ah, that's so hack. Every- ah. Oh, look out for that flying stock footage. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, everyone, this is Chris, and... Uh, oh, no, we're uh, we're green lanterns. We're green leaping in. Ooh. Just like the, the weird error on the uh, the Blu-rays. Allison, that, that was 50% of my notes, Allison. Fifty <laughs> percent of your notes was green error leaping. Yeah, it is. Is it a green error leaping? Hey guys, this is Chris D. Philippus. We're, we're we're hitting this one right out the gate, huh? Who else? Who else is on the line here? Hmm. Uh, Allison Pregler. Oh, hi, Allison, and and Matt Dale. Hello. Okay, the formalities are out of the way. So, what's this with a green leaping? Only in the HD version. This wasn't on the NBC one, was it? No, it would be because it's HD. Uh, if it was, I didn't notice. But also, I'm very inattentive unless it's a radio. So, sorry to step over you, Matt. So. No, that's that's quite all right. You were explaining it just fine. Go for it. No, no, you go for it. Oh, you explain it. Well, there's not there's not much <laughs> to explain. The the leaping is green. In the HD versions. No one really knows why. Could it be, and now just stick with me, because this is something that I wanted to talk about um, in the course of the show, but let's just go right to it. Hi, we're discussing Hurricane Season 4, Episode 3. Three. And uh, apparently it has a green leap in. Now, when I lived in Missouri, everybody told me that if you see the sky turn green, duck, run, get out of the way, because that means a tornado's coming. Um, have you noticed part of this episode they played with the fact that the hurricane was screwing with sam's aura so could it be a weather related phenomenon that his leap in was green as opposed to blue in universe that makes perfect sense doesn't explain why the dvds did not go green yeah it was just a weird error it, it, with it, it, it's it was a remastering thing all right well so we killed that line of discussion. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Great. <laughs> no, but thank you I mean, for the in-universe like, explanation. I like that. Yeah. Now, now uh, people who are very particular, if they're watching it and that bugs them, they'll be like, no, it's spo- supposed to be green yeah. uh, because of that very reason. There you go. You're welcome, everybody. I fixed that error. And I wonder, maybe it was deliberately green and then some overambitious colorer said, wait a minute. That's not supposed to be green. I know Quantum Leap. I've been coloring all the DVDs. That should be blue. (laughs) I think that uh, there was some cut reason for why people were sort of seeing Sam. Right, because, okay, so we'll we'll, we'll jump right to that hurricane party. It was the drunk dude. The drunk guy. Yeah, Yeah. who I believe uh, in universe is Richard... uh, Richard Grove played him. It's uh, Mark Lejeune? Lejeune? I don't know. That's what I saw on IMDb. I figured it's the only one it could be because it's the only other one with a speaking part. So anyway, like that, that brought the conversation to a screeching halt. So what was the in-universe? Was this in a script, Allison? Or? I couldn't tell you what it was or if I just heard it somewhere. <laughs> okay. I really don't have anything else than that. But I believe it was a, a cut thing. Do you have any other uh, information on this, Matt? Uh, I don't, but it it has precedence because um, Catch a Falling Star has a drunk guy noticing that there's something up with Sam. I think there was something with um, Missy noticing it as well, though. Uh, yeah, that I can't explain. 
Was it Missy? Sissy? Sissy. Sissy. What was her name? Sissy. Sissy. I wrote Missy, but I meant Sissy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she noticed it too, because the drunk thing, yeah, they've done stuff like that before, and people that have like altered states of mind seem to to notice yeah unless sissy had something going on up there maybe that we didn't know about could be could <laughs> maybe maybe she's a she's a secret drunk maybe she's <laughs> got a a bottle of hooch in her glove box she was covering it well <laughs> i suppose she's a happy drunk friendly yeah. drunk yeah, yeah they they also say that like uh crazy people could see Sam, and yet the the lady at the end she did not see Sam. so <laughs> no. inconsistent no, well, she wasn't a Looney Tune in a big white room. And maybe, okay, now follow me with this one. Maybe she would have seen Sam for Sam had not the hurricane been screwing with his aura. Ha ha. <laughs> I liked the uh, the delivery of um, one of the lines about the, the eye comments. I think it was after Sissy said something about it. And then Sam, like, in the world's worst cover-up line is like, Green? In my eyes? Uh, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, why don't we uh, maybe get this? Uh, we blew in like a whirlwind here. We blew in like a hurricane, just uh, talking about random stuff. We, we rocked him like a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, that, Matt, now, I, I put that at the end of the last show, and I know you probably still haven't listened, but did you listen <laughs> to Rocky Like a Hurricane and say, oh, that song? No. he's like nope get the idea (laughs) moving on to initial impressions hey uh allison (laughs) why don't we get your initial impressions of hurricane uh i like hurricane i think it's because i enjoy like a a good old-fashioned disaster movie Like one of those old school ones, you know, like uh, Poseidon Adventure or Towering Inferno or stuff like that, or Earthquake like they had in Quantum Leap. Hmm. So I find those just kind of watchable. Just people have to to deal with um, Mother Nature. And uh, so I I liked that aspect of it. And I thought um, the guest stars that they had this week were pretty solid. Okay. How about you, Matt? I, I like Allison's use of the word watchable. Um, no, no, no. I, I sound like I'm going to be mean, and I'm not particularly. Um, this was definitely one of the ones when I first saw this when I was a kid that uh, I found fairly forgettable. Um, and I think part of that is I grew up in a part of the world that doesn't have that many hurricanes. Uh, so I never really related to it that much. Um, I have grown to enjoy it. I think it's a it's a fun episode. It was just for me, it was a slow burn, and when I say slow, I mean ten or fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has nothing to do with the fact that you already watched Hurricane to do a commentary and you got Hurricane Burnout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I I enjoy it more every time I watch it. It's uh, it's a good show. What about you, Chris? Well, it's funny you say that, Matt, that you're enjoying it more on subsequent viewings because this was originally one of my, um, I wouldn't say least favorites, but uh, forgettable, uh, as you would say, episodes. And even when we did the commentary track, um, what was that, about a year ago now? Yeah. I guess, yeah. I still found it forgettable, but it's really weird when you start watching the shows in order, in context with the rest of the series. This time around, because I was paying attention to it for the podcast, and we have been, I can juxtapose it against the episodes that have come before, the more recent episodes, I found a lot more to appreciate in it. 
this time around than I think I ever have. And I think that's entirely due to the discussions that we've been having on previous shows regarding where Sam and Al are at this point in the series. So I'd like to um, use this time to actually discuss some of the more positive aspects of the episode, which I never really saw before. It was a sort of a pleasant surprise, even though I've seen this one very recently and was eh, ho-hum about it. Um, I, I took a lot more away from it this time. So uh, I'm looking forward to discussing that and maybe asking you guys about some of the things that I saw. We did have a few main themes in this episode and got to say, um, the love triangles were predominant among them. I know it's man versus nature, but do you guys, was this really about the hurricane? Or, or It wasn't really. Right? That's one of the notes that I yeah. have, though. It's yeah. that I, I wish there was more to that, but I think that's more of a budget thing than a, <laughs> a story failure. Okay. And to me, I'm thinking, why would all of this take place against the backdrop of Camille unless you wanted the hurricane to be seen as, say, a metaphor for the relationship drama that's going on here? Because, um, was that giving it too much credit? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think it's exactly that. And I don't think there's enough plot to keep things going for 45 minutes with just the hurricane. So having that as, as the background to events, uh, I think is fine as a balance. Yeah, and it also gives another red herring as far as like what happened. It's, it throws you off. And it's also another kiss with history because Hurricane Camille was a very famous hurricane. Yeah, that's true. And... um they certainly had a hell of a lot of stock footage of it, did they not? I mean, oh, man, <laughs> and that does not look good in the HD version. Was that stock footage? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I recognize a lot of this uh, stock footage because Universal used it quite a bit. And uh, I remember seeing it in Baywatch. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah. I mean, I guess that's just their stock, like, natural disaster footage. So anything that they would do that... Anyone that was paying for that stock footage anyway, like, I guess, is it from Hurricane Camille? I, I was about to ask that. I, I have to assume it is, and only because they spent a hell of a lot of time on the closing credits um, going over what looked to be authentic historic footage anyway of, of hurricane damage in the real world. Whether or not, oh, definitely. Why, why would it not be Camille? Unless that's just what they have. I, hmm. Well, unless they had like stuff they thought looked more cinematic, I guess. Yeah. But I would have to believe because of the scale of it, why wouldn't you use something from such a big deal? Right. That's what I'm thinking, too. I thought this episode was pretty um, ambitious in some parts because it, this this episode had to have been a pain in the ass to do <laughs> because you have wind machines constantly going. So anytime that they're outside, they have to ADR all of their lines. Yeah. Hmm. Like, it, that's just so much extra work that you have to put into it. And uh, in all of the background shots, when you can see um, outside, they have to have the wind going and all the stuff blowing. And it's just to create this effect that there's this hurricane. They just have to put so much more into it. And Al has to avoid all that wind somehow as well. Yeah, they had a, a great shot of him coming in from the rain mm. in the car. Mm. Where like his uh, Sam's in the car with uh, the dog, and you can see Al's shadow outside in the rain before he comes through the windshield. Yeah, that was really cool, yeah. and that was a neat way for them to get around the the whole weather wind phenomenon. And it's mm, I think the whole reason why Al has a cigar in the first place is if they have to be shooting on location someplace cold. That's the reason you can see his breath. 
I mean, that, that's always <laughs> been my reasoning for why Alice constantly chain-smoking cigars. Um, <laughs> it's because Dean Stockwell wanted free cigars. <laughs> <laughs> But in universe, it, it makes sense um, because it does come up in a couple episodes where you see, I know like they try to juxtapose it, especially with uh, the Christmas episode, uh, Little Miracle, that it's July where Al is and he's hot and sweaty in the imaging chamber while, you know, they're in the middle of winter. But then in other episodes later on, in I can point to one in season five, the Bigfoot episode, yeah, where Dean that. is outside in basically a parka <laughs> and, you know, the long coat and everything because it's freaking cold where they are. So. Yeah, Dean Stockwell got to keep warm. Yeah, right? by that point in the show, Dean was like, screw this, I just want to stay warm. Sure. They did lots of great little tricks to hide that uh, Dean Stockwell is not a hologram. Um, in very practical ways. I, I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but one um, noteworthy one I remember is in uh, Goodnight, Dear Heart, uh, when they're outside and it's snowing by the grave. And Dean Stockwell's just wearing a white hat and coat. Yes. And that's enough to hide that there's snow coming on him. Oh, that's cool. I never really put that together. So, well, this was this was a good use of effects, too, because I know it went to video effects at this point in the series. And... I have to say, I mean, the green leap, I, I didn't notice that. And when you guys are talking about the ADR, I usually notice the heck out of that. But watching it on the NBC app, I didn't notice any kind of egregious ADR. And the effect where Dean walks in through the windshield into the back of the car looked just fine to me. Is it horrendous on the HD versions? That looked fine to me. Yeah. I think because the lighting is really dark in that scene too, so the, the quality difference is not as noticeable. Yeah, and I th I think they have done worse ADR in the past. It's obvious that they're doing it, but um, it's it's well done. When it's over wind like that and it's the entire scene, it's also less jarring than when they like just ADR yes. in a line because they want to change something really quick. Yeah, true. I see, yeah. Okay, I can I can sort of buy that, and I'm wondering. Um, I mean, we, we were contending with that wind machine right in the leap in, and that's when we're introduced to both Sissy and to Sissy played by Marilyn Jones, and to Lisa, who has no last name, played by Tracy Collis. Anyway, IMDb didn't give Lisa a last name. It's Sissy Davis and Lisa, no name. Lisa, 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 Lisa. <laughs> Where's Cult Jam? And another reference that Matt doesn't get. What? what? <laughs> but it's one of the leapings that I thought was the most goof-tastic. Oh, it's a quantum <laughs> gag. It's the newspaper. The cat and, then... and then the newspaper right in his face. All right. How many takes do you think it took for them to get that old boy where the paper is actually stuffed in his mouth? I mean, because, I mean, that wind must be blowing real hard to blow like a, a divot of paper right in his mouth. Now, just... That would be a string of outtakes worth seeing. Right? <laughs> It'd be great if he just like did it like he just holds the newspaper and pretends it blew into his face, but he's clearly just <laughs> navigating it himself. You know, just, psh, oh, no! <laughs> like old B-movie style. Yeah, true. But, you know, it's like, yeah, when the giant monster is on their face, it's just a rubber squid or something, and it's, oh, I'm fighting with it, I'm fighting it. It's yeah, yeah, that, that scene in Ed Wood where they got the octopus. Right, right. <laughs> ah! Just hold it and pretend it, you're fighting with it. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. but for all that, I, I I still think it's it's a memorable leap, and even because it's so goofy, and and the old boy is is kind of funny, and kind of goes with the lighter themes. Even though this episode does get very heavy and very melodramatic, they start out on that much lighter tone that they seem to be trying to establish and play ball. And um, it's part of the reason why, for me, seeing the episode in context with the rest of the series works better than it otherwise would have. Works better than it did in my memory, and works better as just a standalone that you've watched after a long time. Because in this one, um, right after they get Lisa packed in her car and she goes away, you have a lot of um, just alone time where Sam and Sissy are just kibitzing, like a couple would. And it seemed like Sam was still in that that much more mellow place that we saw him in in play ball where he's just going with the flow and sort of embracing the situation as he sees it. There's a hurricane bearing down on them, but he doesn't seem very concerned about that. He seems to be having a lot more fun just standing (laughs) on the steps with the rain sort of blowing on them and, you know, getting down with Sissy. So did you guys notice that as, as sort of a difference like I did only because I'm primed to look for it now because this is where I see the show going in the fourth season. Yeah, for sure. I, to the point where I don't buy the relationship with Sissy. That's my only real problem that I still have with this episode. I think it really stands out as being quite odd. And and Chris, you're right. That's where it comes from. It's he his his character has pivoted a bit in the last couple of episodes, so he just goes along with it. But when you're watching them in contrast with previous episodes, where if he does have a, a romantic attachment to a character. They build up to it more. This seems to come out of nowhere. I don't get it. Well, what do you think, Alison? Because I sort of have a theory as to where it's coming from. But do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, I think, like, you're right that it is just immediately. Sam is comfortable with Sissy. But I think that's kind of what I like about this episode. Um, the opening line when uh, before the oh boy, when he's like, oh no, a hurricane, is kind of a bait and switch. Because, it, it, yeah, like you said, Chris, it's not really a concern for him. I kind of like that when Sam leaps in, he's just in a very comfortable place. Yeah. And through a lot of the episode, it's like that. It seems like he feels this is where he belongs at this moment. Very much. Yeah. And even though the hurricane is coming down, like he's, he's not really, um, I guess, not worried about it. Yeah, or his willingness to sort of embrace what's in front of him, both figuratively and literally in this case, (laughs) um, is overriding that. And here's the way I'm thinking about it when when I see, because you're right, Matt, this is a completely, you know, a pivot, as you called it. It, it's, It's an odd character turn for Sam, but him going with the flow and just sort of taking this in stride without worrying about the morality of the situation as Sam is wont to do in the first three seasons. Do you think that could be left over from his recent brush with Donna? Like this is something he subconsciously knows that he's been missing and feels like, you know what? I've been leaping for so long and helping. I, I deserve this. And maybe it's, it's, it's there somewhere. Like maybe he's sublimating everything he's been missing and finally taking some back for himself. You know, that that's much more deep than the suggestion I thought you were going to make, which was Uh-oh. that the, this, is, <laughs> this is left over from his brush with Al. Uh, ah, you know, the, that's an equally valid <laughs> point of view. That's, a, that's an easy point of view, though. That's an easy argument to have. But I, yeah, um, looking a bit deeper, I, I see where you're coming from. 
Well, it also helps me um, sort of get over a concern that Allison brought up. And one of the failings that she saw in The Leap Back is that this is not a good place to put your main character. Even if you want this relationship between Sam and Donna to succeed, every time you see him with another woman throughout the rest of the series, you're going to be thinking, oh, but Donna's at home what's going on here. So it's a way for me, I guess, to put those two halves together and have Sam stay the fundamentally good guy that he is, but yet be able to do sort of less Sam-like things. Do you think that's why Al is is so um, upset about him making out with Sissy and coughing and... <laughs> <laughs> was nice you should see a doctor about that cough what cough he just seems very distressed about this situation <sighs> it's funny i never looked at it from al's point of view because i thought that al was just um he's trying to move the plot along no he's sitting there like they're making out <laughs> and then like he's in the closet making out with sissy and like hey so i'll, I'll be out here <laughs> it's kind of dark in there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of liked it, and it's just like, it, it's almost like Al is pointing out what we're all thinking. Like, um, yeah, aren't all those people in that high-rise going to die? And <laughs> isn't it like a lot of wind and urgency outside, right outside the window here? And, oh, so you're going to go in there and do that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh. <laughs> he was just thinking of Donna. That's all. <laughs> I, too, thought of Donna watching this episode. I thought of uh, how much more I cared about the sissy thing than the whole Donna romance. Oh, wow. Okay. So, but... Yeah. I, so, Matt, you said you didn't buy the sissy romance, but what did you think of it, Allison? I mean, I, Matt's not wrong that it is just immediately. You could maybe headcanon it and say, like, oh, it's because Archie's so in love with her. Oh, but that's uh, true. I mean, I like uh, a lot of moments in this one. In the very beginning... When uh, they're staring out at uh, at the wind and it's blowing in their hair, and then Sissy puts her arms around Sam's shoulders, I thought that was really great. And uh, she has that speech about feeling more alive, and uh, I liked Sam's line uh, in response to it. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Move mountains, right wrongs, travel through time. Grow 10 feet tall and run forever. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a charming scene. And um, Sam shows how much of a hopeless romantic he is when uh, they're talking about, you know, would you marry someone after a, after a couple weeks? And he says, well, I'd marry someone after a couple hours if it was the right someone. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know how, how I felt about that. To me, that's a completely new turn for Sam, and maybe I'm forgetting stuff that we've established in previous episodes, but I, the fact that he would marry someone after a couple hours, that, that's a little head-scratching to me. Well, he doesn't ever want to, like, sleep with strangers. Well, initially, he never really wants <laughs> to, but, but he does fall hard and fast very quickly for the ladies. So do you think that's his way of um, spinning the morality into it? Like, well, you know what? I really am DTF, so 
why don't we just get married <laughs> and then it'll be okay? So, so you're saying this is a ploy just to, to sleep with them, but to keep his moral code. I think it's a ploy that he plays on himself. <laughs> Al's like, yeah, I got that same moral code. That's why I've been married five times. <laughs> you're finally getting it, boy. <laughs> I like that Al's got, like, a mini plot. It's not even really a plot. It's just an aside um, where he mentions he's fighting with Tina. And uh, and they he's like, you know, you'd think we would appreciate what we have. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Seize the day. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way it should be. And, and him and Sam be- seem very comfortable in that moment, too. You feel like they're old friends. It's been a while since we've had that kind of uh, Al's got something else going on back at the project subplot, hasn't it? It's only mentioned once. I don't know. I think maybe... I don't remember who wrote this one. It's Chris. Chris. Chris Rupenthal. Okay, yeah. I think maybe he was just uh, building up the world at the project a little more just to acknowledge that other things are happening outside of Sam's world. And it also gives them that easy familiarity that friends would have at this point. And it, it kind of grounds the series back into um, a, a more stable groove, I think. These are things that we've seen before, and these are things that will continue, even though we've been through some pretty fantastical stuff in the last mm-hmm. few leaps. And, you know, Chris is really good at character stuff. And the fact that he can just have Sam and Al share a quiet moment. One thing, again, it's so weird with this episode. In many ways, it's haphazard, it's all over the place, but there's so many little moments where this episode just breathes. That that yeah. scene that you're talking about was one Allison, uh, the one where Sam says 10 feet tall and running through time, that's 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 another one. And there, it's, it's just peppered with all of these little personal moments in the midst of what should be a lot of hurricane drama. One thing that I've learned over the years, because I've never lived in an environment that has a hurricane, um, is that hurricanes tend to be not a big deal to people who live in (laughs) hurricane areas. (laughs) And they have like hurricane storms, and and you live in an area kind of like that, right, Chris? Yeah, um, we get hurricanes on Long Island once every few years, and we just live through superstorms. We just, you know, we just made it through Superstorm Sandy. I'll say that without stumbling over it. And, you know, that was a big deal. There was no power here for weeks. I mean, that's the worst storm that we've had in recent memory, probably since like 1938. But I got to tell you, before that, you're right, Allison. I mean, it's hurricane season again. Um, you sort yeah, of. Yeah, hurricanes become sort of normal to a point. Yeah. And no one knew that it would be this huge historical thing at the time. Right. It was sort of like a perfect storm because it was just so, so many things came together that normally don't come together to make it as bad as it was. Because, like Matt was saying, I mean, I mean, Matt, you live on an island, basically, like I do, even though yours is a nation. Yeah. Um, but where we live, our parallel, the water is just too cold to to sustain hurricane winds for very long. So the most we'll ever get up here on Long Island is maybe a Category 3. And, you know, that was the worst one that came in back in 1938 that just decimated everything. We haven't seen one that bad since. Um, Sandy, I, I don't know if it was three or if it came close. I probably should know. I reported on it enough. But but still, <laughs> we call it Superstorm instead of Hurricane. Uh, maybe that's just modern-day news branding. I don't know. But So for us, like a hurricane, while it is a threat, it's 
not a very persistent threat. And you're right, Allison. The hurricane before this one, before Sandy, I left my house and I went to go work in a shelter with Laura because she was nursing overnight um, at one of the local high schools. And uh, when I got home, um, I still had power. Um, A tree had blown through and fallen down and knocked down part of my back fence. But that's, that's all the damage I had. With Sandy, I didn't even lose power. I was one of the lucky ones. So, I mean, the whole island was kaput for a while. But le- like you say, um, if you live in a hurricane area, you do sort of take it in stride. Even though you shouldn't, you start to just get inured to it. So, Chris, have you been to a hurricane party? No. But people do have them, right? Or is this just a TV thing? Because I have seen this in different TV shows. People just having a hurricane party. Let's ride out the hurricane together. And they did it in this episode. Yeah, and that and that was based on a real party that happened during Hurricane Camille. That was part of the Kiss with History. Oh, was it? That they nearly escaped it? Uh, no, several people died. Oh, wow. I have stats mm. somewhere. Um, yeah, 24 people attended, 4 survived. Holy crap. Oh, wow. Well, this wasn't supposed to be the actual party, right? It was just sort of based around an event that happened? Yeah, no, I don't think it was supposed to be the same party, but it was inspired by it. Okay, because I feel like they don't usually change real events like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt, you asked if I'd ever been to a hurricane party. I assume that you'd have to have a house on the water in order to have a hurricane party, and I'm just not hip enough or cool enough <laughs> for people to invite me to their house on the water for a hurricane party. So, so no, I've never been to one. But uh, I don't know that I'd go, because regardless of whether or not you build up sort of a, a nonchalance about it, when a hurricane is blowing in, it's still pretty wicked out there. So you do, you know, try to be careful. You'd be an idiot to go to a hurricane party, in my opinion. Just, you know, hunker down at home or in a shelter helping people and ride it out. Odds are you're going to be fine. But why take that chance? Well, I don't think they have to be in the hurricane to have a hurricane party. It's just having a party with friends while hurricane's happening, I think, is the idea. Uh, well, but it's a hurricane party, so it takes place during the hurricane. And I'm thinking in context of, like, this episode of people just sure. watching the waves yeah, they crash. Were being and, yeah, and it's just it's just a dumb way to be. Yeah. That guy was super hamming it up, though, wasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Depending on which eye I use, you look different. Brown hair, black hair. Brown hair, black hair. Brown, black, brown, black. Pretty weird. (laughs) Right, man, calm down. (laughs) I I love how in the the notes that Chris has prepared for this episode, you have actually listed this guy as drunken Mark Lejeune, because I I think that's how he should be listed in the end credits. Hey, this guy's a... (laughs) This guy's a drunk in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I just say, I, I love when Sam runs in to get them out and his solution is to just shoot the ceiling. <laughs> get out, everyone! <laughs> Causing all sorts of property. Well, you know, the seawall's going to come and level yeah. that building anyway. And yeah. they're the only ones in there. So oh, yeah, yeah. I guess it was measured... In as much as it could be in that moment, but it really was a neat scene because you never see Sam like go to such an extreme. Yeah. But that guy was just such a dick. And (laughs) (laughs) it's very cathartic. Boom, boom, boom. This was a good look for Sam. Uh, Rain slicker, gun, being all badass. Yeah. Good stuff. I I love the shot of um, 
of him in the rain carrying Bofus <laughs> into the car. Yeah, you can tell that dog. <laughs> the dog's did ears not, flapping in the wind. The dog did not want to go in that car. That dog. <laughs> Bofus was the star of the episode. <laughs> I like the line um Sissy has. It's a terrible line. <laughs> she says, "Next to Bofus, you're the male I love most." <laughs> <laughs> the dog's great. Yeah, he is a good dog. And this is one of the things that I found a little bit haphazard about the episode, that Bofus became such a plot point because she was going home to get him or something like that. And all of a sudden, enter Joe, played by an actor named James, James Morrison, for all you Doors fans out there, but Joe Deaver, who is all of a sudden Sissy's ex. So we have Archie's ex in the beginning and then dropped right down into the middle of the episode like, huh? is this guy Joe Deaver, who is Sissy's ex, who is, I don't know, kind of threatening, kind of not threatening. He can be nice, and then he's menacing. And he's the one that sort of sends both us out in the rain, causing Sissy to have to go home. So that little plot point falls into place. But then Sam goes, and both us, I guess, is at Sissy's house. But he's in front of, like, a house that's all lit up. And uh, what, did Sissy leave the lights on? Or it just seemed to me like they just shot that outside of the house where they were shooting anyway. And someone forgot to turn the lights off or they needed them to get some of the ambient light in the scene. Or am I overthinking this? It just, it seemed like a weird plot turn. And where the hell is he? Like, how close is Sissy's house that they're not hunkering down there that he could go to Sissy's house? Maybe the house, the place that they were staying in was more stable or in a better area and would hold more people that they could help out because clearly this is something that they're doing like because uh, he's the sheriff. This is part of their job rather than like, you know, invite them to their personal house. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. And the lighting would be, I think, so you can see the scene, I guess. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's the only thing I came up with. I think the thing with Joe... um, it was reminding me of the section of Matt's book uh, where he's talking about um, the suspects that they always have in these whodunits. <laughs> Were you thinking of that, Matt? Uh, yeah, it's always quite a small list. <laughs> he's a red herring that shows up and they really talk him yeah. up like, this guy's dangerous. Yeah. And all he does is let the dog out and eat peanuts. Eat peanuts threateningly. <laughs> yeah, eat peanuts yeah. threateningly. <laughs> it's, it was nothing. I always forget that he's even part of this episode until I'm watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess yeah. there's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's not really a good payoff to him being there. No, no, not at all. In that shelter too, they have all of these people come in, all of these old people. And they just come in and start making bad jokes. And at one point, everyone's just talking over each other, and it's nonsense. I don't know what's happening during that scene. And it just turns into unfunny old people comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Why is everyone yelling? (laughs) I found that to be some of the stuff that was peppered into the episode randomly that, that worked for me. Maybe because I liked the actors that played. That was supposed to be Mr. Deaver. That was supposed to be Joe's dad, I guess. And oh, okay. The actress is Barbara Townsend, and her character name is Mama. 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 M a m a w. Mama. It's the Mama. <laughs> so I. That's supposed to be Joe's grandma. I don't know. I mean, his dad looks pretty damn old as it is. <laughs> How small is this town? Is everyone related to each other, or 
banging each other? I, <laughs> it, it, and the answer is yes. <laughs> Small gene pool. What's everybody screaming for? Um, we haven't talked about Lisa at all, and I feel like that's a fairly important part of this story. I think maybe you're right. Um, I think that's a whole bigger discussion, though, right? Please lead it, Allison. What What are your thoughts on that? Um, her thing it isn't really even much of a thing until the last six minutes of the episode, because a lot of it is uh, just character stuff. So they got to cram in a lot of kind of heavy things with her in a very short period of time. For sure. And I, I'm not, I don't hate the story, but I feel like maybe there wasn't enough time uh, for it to develop. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I mean, because we see her in, in the tease. And then she's gone until literally she blows right back in with the hurricane. Yeah, like suddenly at the end, it turns into fatal attraction out of nowhere. Right. To dis- Yeah. And is that fair to the character? Is it fair to the story? Is it just sort of a lazy out? I mean, it, it, it kind of speaks to the fact that the episode, again, there were a lot of haphazard things that I felt worked, like the old people, like sort of how people would be talking all over each other in a situation like that. Um, but then this is a haphazard thing on which the entire episode hinges. This is another pivot, and it's a major pivot. And once again, it it just sort of comes out of nowhere and is all-consuming right to the end. It feels like it's trying to be a twist, but it's only a twist if when it happens you think, ah, I should have seen that coming, instead of, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Now it's (laughs) this. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, okay, that I, happened. I don't think it had enough time, but I do like when it suddenly just turns into a thriller. Because you got you got the rain slicker, you got the face claw, you got Bofus. Serious doo doo is going down, and Sam's just tackling this woman, rolling around with her. Like it turned into something else, but I don't hate it. well i mean the the scenes between sissy and lisa were genuinely tense except for the fact when you know she's crawling around on the floor deciding on which knife very nonchalantly she oh well here's this little knife maybe i can spring oh wait here's a chef's knife a butcher knife what what is sissy doing at this point i mean she's seeing that this woman's on the floor obviously from her vantage point she can probably see that there are a couple of knives within her reach but instead of doing anything proactive to maybe protect herself, like, I don't know, get away or tackle this one before she can grab the knife, she waits until she stands up and attacks her. Well, she doesn't know she's going to attack her at that point, though, does she? I don't know. She seems to be fingering knives lovingly on the floor in a very obvious <laughs> fashion. I think, yeah. you know. I mean, something tells me, like, she knows she's got some issues because she's not, she's not very chill about it. So maybe she's just kind of used to her acting weird. I guess, but then again, she seemed to be just fine with loading her up in the car and sending her on her way and, you know, being like, hey, it's great. I know you were just banging him, but now I'm banging him, but we're all still friends and nothing <laughs> nothing bad can come from this at all. <laughs> it seems like Archie still had a friendship with her, even though they weren't seeing each other, but I could be reading into that. Well, it seems to me that... Archie and Sissy are trying to be adults with this. It's just like, it seems like they both abruptly ended serious relationships in order to be with each other out of left field for both of their partners. And this is another thing in the episode that 
I guess, begged a little bit more explanation because you just have two jilted lovers right off the bat and you don't really, and, and, and Archie and Sissy are head over heels for each other. Like it's a brand new thing, yet it's, it's so very complex and it's not really explored very thoroughly in the episode except for the negative consequences. And if you guys see, I put down as one of the themes, it's like, is this sort of like an unintended consequences thing? Even though apparently Archie and Sissy were trying to be adult, trying to help the other um, whatever jilted lovers, the, the, the respective former boyfriend and girlfriend move on in a healthy way, they weren't able to do that themselves. And it, I, I don't know. I, it, maybe, again, it's just Hurricane and they needed a thriller ending and I'm just overthinking it a bit. But I just want to give these characters in-universe a little bit more dynamic to work with. I kind of liked that they had these complex backstories that spoke of a larger story. I mean, if if this is something that is just about character stuff, you're right, they probably could have explored it a little bit more, but um, I like that the characters seemed like this was a world that already existed before the episode. For sure, that's what you always want from any anthology-type show, is characters to come in and immediately feel believable because there's this wider world. But sometimes it just needs a little bit of time to breathe and explain it. And the show suffers a little bit from that, that unevenness. Yeah, and the the whole psychologist element too seemed to to be a little rushed as well. Yeah. It was a little rushed, but I kind of like that as a bow on the leap because it was... um turning the other cheek another theme i wrote down guys behind the scenes but this is what i meant by that if you guys were a little bit baffled about that being a theme but i think sissy going on to be a psychologist was a nice way for the series to say our negative experiences can sometimes define us but we can also use them to propel us into something better instead of holding us back and it was a quintessential sort of sam take on the situation. Yeah, it sucks that this woman bashed your head in against, uh, you know, against the doorframe an hour or so ago. <laughs> and where the hell is she, by the way? They're just sweeping up and everything's great. Is she like handcuffed to a she bed was, somewhere? Or? <laughs> she was taken <laughs> off by the end of episode police. <laughs> I didn't see any police taking her away, you know? <laughs> but you, you know you know what I liked about the that ending, too, is that Sissy seems very much like Sam in that even though this woman tried to kill her, she knocked her out, she violently attacked her, she's still like, I hope she's going to be okay. Like, I hope someone helps her and that she she becomes better. And that seems like a very Sam thing. Yeah. And even Sam says to her, you know, when she, she kind of rolls her eyes about his suggestion that... Um, she can help people. And he even said to Sissy, he said, I don't mean that you will help her, but you can help people like her. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I meant, taking this negative experience and putting a positive spin on it and bettering yourself because of it, not letting it hold you back. And just a weird sort of element in an episode full of weird elements, but one that I thought worked. I thought it was a nice little character moment. So look, Guys, I mean, I know this conversation's sort of been all over the place, like the episode, but I, <laughs> I feel like we covered it all, even though it's kind of a whirlwind, even though it's kind of a hurricane of observation here. Um, do we have any final observations? Because I don't know how much more I have to say about it, but uh, Matt, what do you think? Final observations, and I'm going to ask an old question, because we're sort of back in the groove of Quantum Leap. Is this good Quantum Leap? 
Yeah, this is good Quantum Leap. It's not got a huge amount of depth to it, but it's exciting, it's fun, there's definite tension throughout. Yeah, it's it's a good episode, and it's good Quantum Leap. And how about you, Alison? What are your uh, final thoughts on Hurricane? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good episode. I enjoy it. I think, uh, much like Sam, I find it very comfortable. It's a comfortable <laughs> episode to watch. Um, hmm. So yeah, that's my final thoughts on that. All right. And uh, while I don't think it's an especially good episode, I no longer think it's an especially bad episode. And that's mainly because of Scott's performance, where I see Sam as a character at this point in the series. I think that's a positive thing to recommend the episode. Uh, I thought Dean was good in it. And I thought the supporting cast, even though they had a lot of like weird stuff to do, all pulled off their parts nicely. So yeah, I think it's a good episode of Quantum Leap. And um, you know, would it be the first one I recommend for anybody? No. But if you're doing a rewatch, I'd say just look for some of the smaller moments in this. And I think that's where this episode really pays off. All right, guys. Well, I think that was a really good discussion on Hurricane. I mean, who would have thought it? First play ball... And then Hurricane. We're finding more to like in these episodes than we ever thought we would, right? So, <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> so why don't we end on these high notes and uh, we'll go to break and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I'm Gabe. I'm Carlo. And we are the co-hosts of a month of Mondays podcast. We are the monthly wrestling podcast. Carlo, how do you feel about our podcast? I feel like what this is, Gabe, is a wrestling magazine for our fans out there to take a listen. A kind of lighter hard side of pro wrestling with some funny stories, some insights, and just to have some fun with you, man. And you know what? That's what I like. I like podcasts where they can just get a little free range. We all have listened to a podcast that's week to week that tells you the exact up-to-date news of wrestling, but this gives us a chance to talk about a little bit of the deeper dives of pro wrestling. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momwrestlingpod, on Twitter at Monday's Podcast, or at baronsface.com slash momwrestlingpod. You can find this podcast anywhere fine podcasts are given away for free because you don't sell podcasts. If you will. This is Donald P. Belisario, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hey, everyone. We're back. We hope you enjoyed those messages. And um, this is really great, guys. You know how I was talking about unintended consequences earlier in the show? Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Well, we've had um, a bit of an unintended consequence uh, based on a tangent that we had in the last episode. (laughs) We, we had a little chat about Green Lantern. Um, you recall that? Yeah, I do recall that. I recall Matt loved it. Yes, yeah, that was Matt's favorite part of the show. I think he's tuning out now, too. He's probably taking a nap. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to do this feedback because I'm just delirious that, you know, they were listening and they got something out of the Green Lantern chat because I love Green Lantern. And, okay, it's not Quantum Leap specific, but it sort of is. And I think it's a really neat conversation that we can continue if you'll, you know, indulge me for at least maybe this one last episode. You okay with that? Sure. Well, at least one of them is tying in the Quantum Leap and the Green Lantern. So, (laughs) yes, it all ties in. 
It does. And um, the person that is doing that is someone that we heard from before. It is Werewolf2814. And uh, it turns out uh, Werewolf uh, James Mitchell, he sent us a message on Facebook. And I'm sorry, James, I know your message was actually long and there was a lot that you said. But I just want to focus on the Green Lantern stuff because it just gives me a hoot. (laughs) And... uh, you know, <laughs> if we uh, decide to do any more on the feedback that you sent, that's what the Patreon bonus shows are going to be for. So thank you for providing us content for that as well. So anyway, um, this is what James posted on Facebook. He writes, I adored the attention, you guys and gal, but I couldn't help but think you missed the opportunity to say which Lantern core you each were. I'm personally a Violet Lantern. I personally think that Sam would coincidentally... Wow, you have a lot of words in here that you don't need, James. I'm just going to pare it down. What? And I personally... Backseat <laughs> feedback editor. <laughs> That's me. I personally think that Sam would be a Blue Lantern of hope, and I think that Al would be a Violet Lantern as well, because he has loved every woman he has ever slept with. Now, they play that as a joke in the show. However, I I think he legitimately did love them and wouldn't have made love with them if he hadn't. He may be lecherous, but he also has a moral code, which, yeah, we brought that up, haven't uh-huh. we? <laughs> yes, it ties into everything. Yes, there you go. So, And he goes on to write, I just love QL so much. I actually am the uber fan that's seen every episode a dozen times or more and hoisted on your own petard, as Shakespeare would say, James. You are what you disparaged us for being. So thank you for at least admitting it. And um, this is, to me, Allison, just hilarious and wonderful because, I, I mean, I love to talk about Green Lantern and the fact that I never even thought, like, which lantern would Sam be? <laughs> I, I guess as we all did. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what color lantern I am. Please enlighten us. So, yeah, maybe you can tell us, Matt, so we can we can fill everybody in. What color lantern are you? Uh... I'm the pink lantern. The pink, there is no pink lantern. Oh, eh, try again. Fuck off. (laughs) So he's red and white. So he's got a base of rage and then every other lantern in the spectrum. But that would just be brown if it was every color. No, it's white. Just like, you know, white light breaks into the spectrum of the rainbow. You're going with the rainbow metaphor here. Not like yeah, color palette metaphor. Of, if you take a bunch of colors and you mix them together, you see if you get white out of that. <laughs> You're being deliberately obtuse, are, are you not? <laughs> so wait, wait, is this a, a rainbow colors the option? So I can't be pink, right? Right. Is, I mean, is, if you is, wanted is, to be it's pink. The spectrum. Well, yeah, it would have to be the light. Do you want me to break down what the Green Lantern spectrum is? No, I know what the colors of the rainbow are, but thank you anyway, Chris. <laughs> no, I understand, but you don't know what they represent in the Green Lantern ring pantheon. All right, I'm the Yellow Lantern. Let's move on. All right, you cowardly bastard. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe some broader context is is in, in order here, because if you don't know what the lantern, what the colors represent then it's sort of like a non-conversation but um yeah i think it's uh, i think it's fitting that sam's a blue lantern because he when he leaps out he's blue oh i never thought of mm. that either so all these connections except in hurricane he's green mm-hmm. so he has willpower in this one but yeah so to go over the lanterns we talked about red last time with dexter your favorite uh, red means rage 
That's what fuels that ring. Um, Roy, orange. Orange is greed or avarice, which um, just happens to coincide with the skin color of a certain political figure now mm. that also is greedy and av- avaricious. Um, maybe that's too political, but I think I'm going to leave it in. Uh, yellow is fear. As we know, that's Sinestro. That's the traditional sort of enemy of the Green Lantern, the Yellow Ring Corps. Uh, green is willpower. That's what powers... Uh, the ring traditionally for the Green Lanterns before they got all of the Spectrum stuff. So we got Roy G. B. Blue. Blue is hope. And that's what powers the blue ring. And I think that, James, you're right on. Sam would be a Blue Lantern because he is, believes in hope above all. I believe, anyway. That's a perfect fit for him. Um, B.I. Indigo. Now, Indigo is weird. They're not even lanterns. They have, like, weird pipes or something, and they're a tribe. And I think their spirituality or... Some kind of hocus pocus. I'm I'm not really clear on that. I don't remember. And then Violet, of course, is love. Oh. And um, yeah. So uh, James, you're just a big mushy love, and uh, you have your Violet ring, and that's great. And I don't know. Do I see Al as a Violet Lantern? He's well. I mean, he is. Uh, he he loves them and leaves them. You know. He's got many loves. He does, but he's got so many facets to his personality. I think that Al is such a... He's he's a guy that likes to have a good time. He is, but he also has a strong sense of duty. True. Right? Well, what what lantern would that be then? I think that would be willpower. I think he'd be a traditional Green Lantern mm. because you just do it on, you know, the, the the your own forthrightness. And I think that that's sort of like Al's bag. Anyway, maybe younger Al would have been a Green Lantern, and maybe Al, as we see him now, would have uh, traded in the Green Ring for a Violet Ring. He does well, you know. He uh, he has the sense of duty to Sam. If he didn't, he wouldn't be there like twenty four seven. Uh, doing this for him. So, I mean, I think it still fits now, a green lantern. Maybe green and violet blended together. They're complementary colors. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, I uh, exhausted my green lantern knowledge entirely in that conversation before, so this was an education <laughs> for me. Uh, I think it's fitting that uh, red lanterns are rage, and the evil leapers also have a red leap out. Mm? what (laughs) hey what would gushy's lantern be who i think it would be yellow i think he he runs on nothing but fear yeah like gushy to me seems like nothing but nervous energy (laughs) definitely but he's also like a mensch so but yeah it's just weird that we have to pick one defining characteristic everyone doesn't just fit in a box Okay, right? Come on, Green Lantern cores with an S. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, anyway, James, see the, the rich vein of discussion you've unearthed uh, with, with wondering who would be who in the Quantum Leap universe. Allison taking it to the next level with the evil leapers and with Gushy. I guess we could say Dr. Beaks would be the mute lantern, um, if that exists. Will be the mute. Oh, mute, yeah. Okay. I thought that was the thing. I was like, is it? What's the mute lantern? Yeah, it, was just, it, was a, it was a bad joke, is what Donna a mute would be the was. brown lantern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much Donna hatred out there. It's too bad. Was, well, James, was James's feedback the one that mentioned Diamanda Hagen in the longer version? 
Yeah, okay. yeah. He had a lot to say about many a topic. I just wanted to keep it to the Green Lantern thing. But if you want to bring that up, because that's more specifically dealing with um, the past of Alison Pregler. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what, what was that all about? Well, here's part of James's uh, feedback about Diamanda Hagen. Uh, he says... Oh, and Allison, if you still have Diamanda Hoggins' contact information, tell her I loved her QL parody with the public domain movies. She should do more of those. Um, <laughs> so thank you, James, for talking about that. I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, some folks that, that watch the videos uh, have, have come on to the listen to the podcast. Well, can you explain? I suddenly feel like Matt hearing about Green Lantern. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> what's the context there? Okay, well, I don't... <laughs> I don't even remember how much I've talked about, like, my life outside of Quantum Leap in the show, but, like, you know, I do the reviews and stuff. Um, I do inter- my uh, internet show on YouTube, and I used to be part of an aggregate site uh, that had lots of other people who did different types of reviews, and Diamanda Hagen's one of them. She still does videos, and she covers a lot of, like weird exploitation, alternative, bizarre, Ooh. violent kind of things. <laughs> oh, I like that kind of stuff. Well, you might like Diamanda Hoggins stuff then. And she's got this bizarre persona. Like, she has a character in it versus me, who's mostly just me. But um, her character is like this um, weird dictator of this bizarre world, like Haganistan. Uh, Haganistan? <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. But anyway, like, she's got all these minions and she's like this evil entity that rules them. It's this bizarre thing. <laughs> and, uh,. She um she did a video uh on, I don't remember what it was I guess public domain movies uh where the intro was a parody of the Quantum Leap intro that uh has that that Deborah Pratt does and uh she asked me to record it way back when before I even knew what Quantum Leap was so I was like what and she's like can you record this and and like I was like all right like I'll, I'll try and I uh I watched the intro to try and imitate it but uh I don't know. For whatever reason, she ended up going with someone else <laughs> and using them. So I'm, I wasn't even really in it, but I, I found that funny that they referenced that, considering uh, I was part of it at one point. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, oh, wow. I'll, definitely, um, I'll definitely tell her that she said so. I'm sure she'll really enjoy that someone was thinking of her. That's a weird coincidence, though, too, right? That it would be... Yeah. Well, it was back in the days when I'm like, Quantum Leap just sounds like a science-y name. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what a fool I was. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, to me, it's it's almost unfathomable that you have a time in your life when you didn't have Quantum Leap in your DNA because you speak to the show so authoritatively, it's almost like you're a lifelong fan. And it's a relatively, as far as, you know, say, con- compared to me, it's a relatively recent phenomenon for you. Yet you are that Uber fan. I mean, you know more about it than I do. And I just like to absorb a lot of stuff when I obsess over something. So, I <laughs> well, I'm going to take that as a positive trait. Oh, thank you. But anyway, um, we digress because we do have a bit of feedback uh, left to 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 go to. And um, oh, um, did I happen to mention it is also about the Green Lantern? Ooh. So, oh, do you want to read this one? Sure. Uh, this was a Gmail. Uh, submission from Craig Simpson. And it goes, Guys, first off, I rarely email the numerous pods I listen to. Secondly, Quantum Leap is my favorite show of all time. Third, great job as podcasters. So you think I'm here to talk about Quantum Leap? Nope. 
<laughs> I want the Green Lantern podcast. Best part of the episode. More Green Lantern talk. I, too, am a major Green Lantern fan. I think I've read every Green Lantern or Green Lantern-related series since 1990. I forgot the point of this email. Someone distracted me at work. All right, Green Lantern. Who knew that the Venn diagram... You're so excited. All these exclamation <laughs> points. But, Green you know, Lantern. The circle of Quantum Leap fans and the circle of Green Lantern fans overlapping... Uh, who knew that we would reach so many? I, I didn't know. I, I thought it was just me in, in the intersection of those two circles. So This is like uh, almost as, uh, as much feedback as when people were excited about Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> so here's the key to feedback. Uh, maybe it's to talk about things other than Quantum Leap. So. Yeah, the Venn diagram of uh, Green Lantern <laughs> and uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park and Quantum Leap fans is a circle. <laughs> a circle with no one in it it's an empty circle it's well you're in it well i don't know that i'd be glad i know of phantom of the park i don't know if i'd categorize myself as a fan of phantom <laughs> of the park <laughs> we need to find the one fan of kiss me it's the phantom of the park well i think it's great that people are branching out in the feedback like we're trying to branch out in the show and uh if you want to be like our good our new good friend james mitchell who started out disparaging us and now is praising us and if you want to be like craig simpson who um is uh <laughs> never compelled to write to us when we talk about quantum leap but we'll just hop right on that email when it comes to the Green Lantern. There are hey, many I'm all for it. ways I'm all that for you it. can do it. Yeah, I'm all for it too. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682 and tell us what color lantern you are. You can get us by email <laughs> at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. And uh, like we've been alluding to in the last few episodes, there's going to be more Patreon content to come. So please go over there, check it out. And if you can support us at any level, even a buck a month, that will be uh, a wonderful thing for you to tell us uh, that you think that we're doing a good job. And uh, for those of you that have gone above and beyond as Patreon supporters, thank you very much. We are eternal grateful. Um, just remember, if you do leave any kind of comments or become a Patreon supporter, we will maybe use those comments and announce your name in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap podcast. So, all right, well, that was some terrific feedback. As always, all that Green Lantern talk always makes me happy anyway. But uh, Matt, I know that you don't care. So why don't you tell us what's coming up next? <laughs> of course I care. But the next episode is Justice. shall dedicate our lives to the preservation of the purity of the white race. We fight to the death to resurrect our country from the fires of racial degradation. And now, by the powers vested in me as a royal dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, I dub thee fellow clansman. Oh boy. Worst leap out oh boy ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh boy. I'm in the KKK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know. Electric chair. Oh boy. Um, that was oh god. Yeah, that was oh god. Oh, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think uh, they knew to change it, but for this one, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, even though uh, apparently the series is turning away from the lighter fare that we've been seeing, we're still infected with it. I mean, we're making clan jokes. It's pretty good. So <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, until we get to see exactly how this plays out, uh, and I look forward to it, and see how many jokes we can make, you know, in context. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Alison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And stay dry, everyone. Stay out of those hurricane winds. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Alison, Matt, and Chris. With voice talent and contributions from Zoe Dean and Hayden McQueenie. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albie, Allison, and Christopher DeFilippis. The production assistant is Jesse Newman. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Muro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. Chris. You think what, we got it? What's your lantern? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I think I'm green. I think I'm straight think up green. You're a green lantern. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'd be violet too. I'm a big romantic mush. Yeah, I don't know. It, it yeah, well, be, what is your lantern, Allison? I don't know. This would be tough. I like to think it's green because that's the concept I fell in love with in the comic books and that I think they explored best through my favorite lantern, which was Kyle, which I'll just say it again. But um, yeah, I mean, to say that one characteristic really defines me, um, I am kind of duty bound to a lot of things. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a straight arrow that way. So I think that I would just choose green because that appeals to the people pleaser in me. But I'm also very hopeful and very romantic. So I think I would be blue above violet. Hmm. So how about how and I'm, you know, and maybe I'm just a big jerk. So maybe I would just be orange. Who knows how other people perceive me? Maybe they think, oh, he's an avaricious bore. He would definitely be an orange lantern, but yeah, everyone's know. lantern it depends on the lens other people see them through. <laughs> well, you asked me, I'm going to ask you. I so, don't. I mean, man, do you want me to go I over, don't, over over the categories. You, I uh, you, you got rage, you got greed, you got um, willpower, you got fear, you got hope, you got weird, kooky, spiritual stuff. I think, and you got love. Oh man, um, which color was fear? Yellow. <laughs> Yellow. You know, I'd like to say that I'd be a cooler one, but like I'm a very anxious person. <laughs> uh, it could be, it could be yellow mixed with blue. You know, 
like to have some hope. I'm just a little bit frightened of things. Well, yellow mixed with blue. What does that make? Hmm. There's a collar that does. Uh, do yeah. <laughs> well, then I guess I'm a green lantern. <laughs> and we've come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird.